We all need to laugh. We choose truth over facts. And now for a perpetual political protest in progress. Judge my physical mental suit, my physical as well as my mental suit fitness. Coffee time. It's time to rock and roll. Welcome to the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club. Conservative Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. This is Jason Floyd, and uh, we are joined again today by Dwayne Downs, and we have uh, Loretta Eaton in the house. Everybody raise your hands up, touch the ceiling, just like you don't care, whatever. You know, I can't rap, whatever. Uh, So... What a crazy two weeks. Uh, so we, again, missed a podcast last week. Uh, there was a good reason for that. Last week, Christopher Kirka, candidate for Alaska governor, and uh, his running mate, Paul Huber, came to the Central Peninsula. Uh, the Kenai District uh, used to be District 30, is now District 7. Republican Party held their district convention in Kenai. And their sister district up the road, uh, Nikiski Sterling Kasilov, I believe, the Donut District, uh, also held their uh, their district convention out at the Nikiski Senior Center. So Christopher flew in from uh, straight up from Juneau, where he's been uh, fulfilling his uh, commitment as a legislator in the House of Representatives, uh, and took time to address delegates at both of these conventions. And then in the evening, he came back to Ammo Can Coffee, uh, to the social club, to have a reception for the community, which was really well attended. Uh, I was his designated driver uh, during all this time, chauffeur. He was not drinking. He's not a drinking man. But <laughs> anyway, um, what an interesting uh, day that was. You know, there's, I don't know if you've heard, there's other people running for governor as well. No way. Uh, too, too many, too so, many. So, so we have. Wait, we're up to four now. We, five, we have we have a has five? been governor whose biggest accomplishment in office was stealing everybody's PFDs. Yeah. Uh, that would be uh, Walker, uh, not Texas Ranger. No. Um, so Bill Walker, the infamous, uh, he actually laughingly thinks he has a shot. I, I'm not, I'm not sure where he's, he's got lots of money behind. I him. don't know who's advising him, but you know, in the day where truck drivers win with like 150 bucks in their account, um, <laughs> I would not be so secure in money. But be, but but this is an important little item that popped up in the news cycle this week, and I was shocked. So okay. previously, you were only allowed to contribute up to fifteen hundred dollars per candidate. Did you know that? I, I guess I knew There's that. There's a state law. Yeah, I, actually, I, I know there's not a law, a regulation, okay. a regulation imposed upon us by the Alaska Public Offices Commission. Okay. Which uh, I believe falls under the Department of Administration. All right. Which is uh, subsequently under the governor's control. That would be the current sitting governor. You know, done nothing. Done nothing. Done nothing. <laughs> Not done living. Done. Well, he did something. <laughs> he did something. He, he shredded the Constitution. <laughs> That's one of his biggest accomplishments in office. Um, but uh, so, so Mr. Done Nothing's administration uh, decided this week that they were raising all regulatory ceilings on uh, campaign f- finance. Uh, 
donations is, is in, there, state, in state in uh, state uh, races. Was there a reason why they did that? Did they did they say why they they think they're trying to recover? That was conspic- uh, conspicuously absent from the news report. From COVID, are they? Or, yeah, or I, I think they're trying to recover from the panic that's starting to set in because people like Christopher Kirka yeah. are pounding the pavement early. Yeah. Typically, we wouldn't see politicians doing anything, but if we can stick our finger in our mouth and lick it and, yeah. you know, uh, make yeah. sure that you have eradicated which, all yeah. of the Novid yeah. on your uh, fingers. Which way the wind blows. And, and, and put your finger in the air like you just don't care yeah. and feel where that wind blows. You know, the winds are blowing. Uh-huh. And um, I've never seen them do this before, but the Republican Party of Alaska came out early and endorsed Michael uh, Dunleavy. Early, early. Then the other thing that was curious mm-hmm. was that our friends in Nikiski yeah. uh, went ahead and endorsed Charlie Pierce, Pierce. for governor yeah. before they had any conversation with the people in the district. They had a district convention, right? Yeah. If they had held off three weeks, I think it was about three weeks between the time that they announced that they were going to support Charlie, Charlie Pierce, Pierce in, and in the, when they were going to yeah. go to their convention and, yeah. and vote on all their officers and on the issues that matter, like the planks and the platform yeah. and candidates and that yeah. sort of thing. So they came out and they made an endorsement prematurely mm-hmm. before the district was able to weigh in. So so the small group of folks who are the establishment, you know, and I, I clearly see Wayne Ogle, their chairman, as the establishment uh, out there. But, but how much of it is that a function of um, uh, Charlie Pierce? He lives in that district, doesn't he? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't know that he lives and, and in Nikiski. No, 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 he lives in Sterling. But okay, yeah, he, that would be that district. The, yeah, yeah, that would be that and, district. And they just have more contact with him, and because I know one of the Republican women's groups does meet at his house. Oh, really? At his home? Really? They, well, they that, that's curious. That's curious. Who's the leader of that group? Um, I think that's the Michelle Hartline. <laughs> well, let's talk about Michelle Hartline for a moment, oh. because when I was with Chris, uh, Christopher Kirka this weekend, and we went out to that, uh, that conference or that, that, uh, convention, uh, we came in at the, uh, about 15 minutes early, you mm-hmm. know, um, politely sat, uh, at the side and watched their proceedings. And when it came time for Mr. Kirka to take the podium, uh, he gave his, his speech, and uh, then asked if uh, there were any questions in the audience. And Ms. Hartline, for those of you who don't know, is Kelly Shabaka's mother. Okay. Okay. So uh, Kelly Shabaka is the prominent Republican running against Lisa Murkowski for, this, for Alaska senator. Mm-hmm. Right. And she'll probably win. I hope maybe. so. We'll see. Yeah. She, Ranked she, choice she, voting. I, I have to... I have to <laughs> give a shout out to Kelly because she did one of her campaign commercials right here where we're sitting uh, in the in the social club last week and posted it to Facebook, oh, which, gosh. which was kind of cool, yeah. you know. Yeah. But um, but, you know, Miss Hartline uh, was ready to launch as mm-hmm. soon as Christopher took uh, or started taking qu- questions. And really, really, uh, she was the first one to ask a question. She asked him why he, as a state legislator, had voted against our very own Ron Gillum, Mm -hmm. uh, representative to the House for District 7, uh, voted against a a bill that he had put forward that I guess was uh, something about cardiovascular disease in Alaska being the number one killer of Alaskans. And, you know, uh, just a a nice bill, you know, that, that was 
crafted in some way oh, to... Just, just a minute. I thought bills were supposed to be functional. I thought the government, we send them to Juno to do things and and bless your heart well bless uh, your heart honestly that it's a nice bill honestly but why are they honestly, spending not, time on nice bills honestly i have not read the bill oh. uh so i don't know if it was nice or not but, but is this even but, something but they ron's, should be do- yeah. ron's a nice guy okay, yeah okay. and you know he's okay. got a daughter who is a nurse and okay, so yes so he's yes. that's one of his priorities down okay. there is is yes. laws and legislation that uh focus on helping Alaskans in that sort of medical arena, okay. Okay. right? Yes. And I know Ron yes. is uh, is a uh, anti-mandate kind of guy. Okay, yeah. Um, so I don't want to disparage Ron. No, 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 no. You know, but okay. but the point is, is that Ron uh, had put forward yes. this legislation. Okay, yes. It can't, uh, Chris didn't see it. No. And he told Miss Hartline this. Yes. He said, you know, uh, his staff didn't forward it to us. My staff wasn't able to look at it before it hit the floor. And I'm, uh, I didn't see it, mm-hmm. didn't yeah. read it. Until it was up for a vote. And he essentially said, um, in the opening comments in the bill, it says cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of Alaskans. And he said, I could not in good conscience vote for that bill because of that statement. He didn't go further, but Miss Hartline, well prepared, said, well, what, what, because abortion? Well, see, for those of you who don't know Mr. Kirka, he spent a good part of his early career as the executive director and I think the chairman for Alaska's Right to Life Political Action Committee and then later the organization itself. Or maybe that's reversed. But mm. he, he served in both of those capacities. So abortion is, you know, you hear about people who are single-issue voters or single-issue candidates, which I am. Yes. I, I believe that, that if you get the, the, the question wrong on the Right to Life I'm not going to listen to you. Mm. You could have all the best ideas in the world about the PFD and and commerce and you know all those things. I'm not willing to prostitute my okay. self for some money yeah. uh, and sacrifice children's lives so that I can become wealthier or more secure in my financial position. That really is what a lot of the abortion topic boils down to: is convenience and money. Yes. You know, and um, and, you know, the ability to do things without accountability. Mm -hmm. And so Mr. Kirka, being a very principled candidate, and I want you to key into this fact, he is principled. We don't see candidates like him come along very often whose character is impeccable. And unimpeachable. And uh, so he told Miss Hartline. Look, uh, had Ron approached me beforehand and see when I was in Juno, that was part of my job was shopping bills around to get co-sponsors and endorsements from likely allies. Well, they're in the same caucus together. So there's no reason why, no partisan reason why they, the staff shouldn't have brought that to Chris. And unless, of course, the bill was written with the mind that abortion is not yeah. death yeah which i don't know we'd have to have mr gillam on to ask him his perspective on that i've talked to him many times and i can't speak for him but i do know that he would he would uh say that that yes abortion is death so it was poorly crafted it was probably put through very quickly 
um, with all the best intentions. But Mr. Kirk's point was that, look, I'm not going to vote for poorly crafted uh, legislation because language matters. And if I said I support this legislation, then I'm also saying abortion is not death. Mm-hmm. And so he, he essentially told Ms. Harlan if they brought me the bill early so that I could get, have some input into it, because by the time he saw it, the whole revision process was passed and the amendment process was passed. And he, he said, you know, he told me later, he said it was kind of a moot point anyway, because the bill passed. So yeah. my vote didn't really matter, mm-hmm. but to anybody but me <laughs> and the people who value my position. Yeah. And so... You know, that's that's uh, that was his response. He handled it very well. You know, I have the tendency to want to uh, punch back. Uh, I, I told Mr. Kirk, I said, you know, in review of that meeting, I said, you know, I would have been tempted to say, well, Miss Miss, uh, you know, Hartline, um, why do, why don't we flip that question around? And I'd like to ask you how your daughter, Kelly Shabaka, would answer it. Mm. <laughs> right. Because Kelly Shabaka is running as. A principled, unimpeachable Republican, somebody of character and depth with a moral compass and who's going to take the fight righteously as it should be taken to the feds, to Congress and stick up for what Alaska wants. And Alaskans repeatedly have voted not to fund abortion. And our governors, including done nothing, have just repeatedly rolled over. And capitulated. One of the loudest messages that Mr. Kirk gave uh, during the weekend was that uh, as a governor, he will not acknowledge supremacy of the courts when they try to be activists and abuse their authority when it comes to the constitutionality of the matter. And he said, you know, the uh, done nothing made a symbolic gesture that he was going to defund the courts when when they were uh, telling him he had to fund Planned Parenthood. And he said, well, I'm just going to reduce your budget. And then they ruled, you can't reduce our budget. Yeah. Well, the Department of Administration actually has that power yeah. Yeah. if the governor's willing to exercise it. And uh, Mr. Kirk uh, mentioned Federalist Paper number 74, where he he, he summarized that in that in that document, uh, it's clear what the framer, the founders' intent, the framers of the U.S. Constitution, uh, Constitution's intent was, in regards to the court, and that the courts were the weakest of the three branches. But they have become the most powerful of the three branches, and it's easier for politicians to just roll over. They can take these bold positions that look good to the public. Mm-hmm with confidence because they know the courts won't let the position stand in this environment of act- activist liberal courts. Yeah. And uh, so they can look good on the news, but then when the court says, no, I'm sorry, you can't do that. They go, Oh, shucks. Okay. Oh, well, oh, oh well, we'll move on to the next. I tried. Yeah. Oh, by the way, my campaign is taking unlimited donations today. <laughs> um, you know, and that, and that's uh, be ready for that. You know, Dunleavy's afraid. He's shaking in his very big boots. Yeah. You know, uh, be, and he should be afraid because we're coming for him. He's so, not going to have a job. Yeah. And um, and people like Chris Kirka, you know, um, are going to strike fear in the hearts of these 
these swamp creatures who have forgotten whom they serve. And that's us, the people. So um, some interesting things, uh, you know, to point out. So these two districts here locally in the Kenai had these big conventions. Mm, All right. And Mr. Pierce was conspicuously absent. Oh, I thought he'd be at them. Yeah, you would think, right? Very convenient in his own backyard. I mean, his own district even. You would think he would be there. But I guess he didn't need to be there because the leadership had already said, we're going to endorse you, Charlie. You don't have to be here. Yeah. I'm yeah, assuming that's kind the of the, Soldatna, the conversation that the, happened. The Soldatna district didn't, or the other district, District 7 or whatever. No, he wasn't at that one either, and it was a bigger convention. And they didn't, but they didn't endorse anyone, did they, at that? Uh, I had to remember. leave early. You had to, okay. Uh, one uh, noteworthy item that happened at that district is they replaced uh, their, um, they replaced their chairman. Okay. It was, it was uh, Randy was, Daly. Randy Daly. He with... served in that position, I believe, two years. He replaced Neil Duperin, which was a big controversial thing when it happened. Okay. Neil needed to go. Yeah. In my opinion, but um. And uh, who, who replaced Randy? So uh, um, shoot, I'm drawing a blank on her name now. She's the president of the Soldat Rotary Club right now. Okay. Um, but uh, okay. But I was on the committee, mm-hmm. and I like Randy. Randy's a, a friend of mine. Um, but uh, we were—I was on the uh, the slate committee uh, to make a recommendation. And in that slate committee, we had a conversation about um, who was put their hat in the ring f- to be voting members, you know, to the central committee, and also to to move the the local effort forward. And um, Mr. Daly's wife had submitted her name. Uh, to be bonus vote. So in a district where Republicans are elected yeah. instead of Democrats, the party rewards those districts with an extra vote on the okay. central committee. And um, so you send your chairman, you send your bonus vote, and then you have extra weight okay. You know, in the central committee. And we always have a bonus vote because we're very red down here. Well, uh, there were two names that were submitted for bonus vote. One was Pam Gillum, which is Ron Gillum's... Okay, yes you know wife. wife and then one was mr daly's wife okay and um i think her if i remember correctly her name's mary yep. and uh and then the other thing that people need to understand is that i believe and I, i'm i'm a little uncertain on this right now but if my memory serves me correct i believe that the elected representatives and senators from the districts if they're republican also carry a vote on the central committee okay so Mr. Gillum, uh, Mr. Machiki, you know, can weigh in on central committee issues as voting delegates. Right. And so um, I made the comment in committee. I said, you know, this is it's great to see people step up. But if I had it my way, I would really like to see um, more people serving. And I'd never like the idea of any one family carrying all the voting power for a district. So if you have a chairman and then his wife becomes the bonus vote, they carry two votes together and it's one family voting. And it's a lost opportunity to get other people activated in the community to become political. And, you know, party positions are one way, one of the many ways that people learn about the process and then start considering moving up in the process, either to a higher level at the state or you know, to pursue a political position as a candidate. Yeah. Now, why do you think they do that? Is this, uh, is this, um, is this just... 
Well, you know, just from a practical sense, you know, if you're in one of those leadership positions, you're expected four times a year to go to the central committee meeting. Uh It's every quarter. And they're all over the state. And if you're traveling, you know, your wife's going to be with you anyway, you know, out of convenience. And if your wife is your right Mm -hmm. arm and helping you coordinate Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm just trying to look at it altruistic from a, from a. Sure. Shades of the George uh, Bush, shades of the Bush family dynasty, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. That's not the direction I was headed, but that's, so one side. like that. One bit. side is just out of convenience, yes. and why not? I'm along for the ride anyway, yeah. and I have an opinion. Yeah. And why should my opinion be silenced just because my husband's serving or my wife's serving? Mm-hmm. You know, so so just from a non-confrontational perspective, you know, that could be one yeah. reason. Yeah. But the other reason that can be a factor is that, you know, there's influence, there's power, there's, there's opportunities yes. that arise in any organization and if you have more than one opportunity at any given moment to influence those yeah. decisions, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got a lieutenant with you who can go and work the other room while you're working this room, that can be advantageous politically, strategically for your district or personally yeah, for but, whatever but, your but, end design is for your own personal ambitions. But couldn't Ron Gillum's wife have done that anyhow? She did not need to be... She could have gone as an, uh, just as a member, no? Or uh, Well, or... but when it came down to things that mattered in the vote, without being a bonus vote, she wouldn't carry any weight. Yeah, but... They if, would if, only have one vote. But just to, 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 just to say what you said was that this is an opportunity for them to go and work the room. Right. You don't need to be a member of a committee no. to work the room. No, no, but when it comes down to the actual vote on what you've been working, it's nice if you have an extra vote. It is, so, but you could you could have sent a, a third person, right? You know the the, two, the, the, the bigger point yeah. for, that it's, I wanted to make though yeah. is is that yeah. that there were fifty delegates, yeah, and I'm sure there was somebody else in that room, yes, who could have and would have been willing to serve as the bonus. No, vote. I'm agreeing with you, right? Right. I'm ag- I'm agreeing, and with so you totally. I I, may, I weighed I think, in with yeah, that, yeah. And then also, um, the gal that ran against Randy, she had a whole plan. Yeah, we interviewed both of them. Yes. She had a whole plan on what she was going to do to activate the local party, what she was going to do to re-enfranchise people who were disenfranchised. She had a plan for um, mobilizing youth participation. Now, I would like to see that because you know, that's, a, that's a forgotten area. You know, so so she, she had all this stuff mapped yes. out, and she didn't know she was going to speak to us. Oh, gosh. We just grabbed her and said, hey, we want to mm-hmm. talk to you because there's more than you running, and we want before we put this slate forward we want to know your ideas so she gave us that and then randy came and spoke to us and randy's a randy is a cool dude you know he's a radio personality he's an entrepreneur he's a local businessman he's a he's a veteran he's a former marine i believe uh raised a beautiful family he is a he's a he's a man of faith he's a pro-lifer um i love randy randy is a cool guy um, he came and really, uh, what he told the committee really was more about state level stuff. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately when the committee voted, they voted, uh, to forward, um, this other gal's name on the slate. And I wasn't there when the, when the final, when the vote actually went down. Um, but I guess, uh, Randy was pretty upset. Um, they forwarded his wife's name as the bonus vote. Oh. Right? Yeah. So they said, well, the family's still involved. But really, the, the feeling of the committee was 
that Randy was really focused on yes. the state. Yeah. And so he should be seeking a state office. He should be running for party chair. Yeah. Really? Or to be part of that cabinet, the executive committee of the party. Yeah. And 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 let this oh, Charlene Toutfest. Oh gosh, I do not know her. <laughs> so do Char- not know her. So Charlene Toutfest I, is I is the new I slightly recognize the name. So so she, yeah. she had she just had a very well yeah. um articulated plan for how to build the local party up and with fundraising and improved communications and you know, all of those things resonated. Which, so, is, which is what needs to be done. Yeah. Which is what needs to be done. Uh, yeah. Alaska, I haven't had a lot of contact with the Re- Republican Party. I've gone to a few of the district meetings. And my impression was that there was um, just a, compared to other states, there's not that much interest in, in working at the local level. They've got it wrapped up. They know they're going to get a certain amount of Republican votes. Right, and that was it. And unless there's a scandal, yeah, that that yeah. that jolts people into action, yeah. typically there's you know maybe thirty, forty people at the at the at these conventions. Well, the one in uh, Kenai, I think their total count was fifty-five or mm-hmm. fifty-eight delegates. Um, the one in Nikiski was smaller. It looked like when I was in the room, I think they had maybe twenty-five or thirty. Um, you know, so um, there was a lot of a lot of festivity. Mm. and decorating yeah. and flags and auction items and a pie auction and all kinds of stuff going on at the Kenai one. Yeah. I got to the, the Nikiski one and it was like, it's, it's not, it was, I'm, that's it was my like, district. It was it's, like, it's, it, it, if I could have, if I could describe it this way, it would be, yeah. hmm. I, d- I don't think <laughs> I don't think that district level uh, organization is understood at the in Nikiski. Well, also you have it's, to. Uh, uh, one thing I noted when we were there, I was talking to Chris uh, Kirka, you know, on the side as we we're waiting for his his speaking time. As I said, notice the demographics in this room. Yes, I don't think there were more than maybe two people under the age of fifty in the room. That's a very Nikiski thing. It's very um, and see that it, they don't just represent Nikiski though. It's it's Nikiski and S- Sol- er, er, Sterling. Uh, Sterling and and Kasilov and Kasilov, yeah. part of Kasilov and I think up to Cooper Landing and I think Moose Pass and you know but um, but there's just no youth. They're, they're not even middle aged people. Not even yeah. you know young. Not people my age. Yeah. You know, yeah. and Chris is younger than I am. Yeah. So you know, um, so I want to. Uh, I know Dwayne is here and we're going to talk Dwayne. Yep. There's just so much, so much that's happened this in this last two weeks. You know, we've got, uh, um, I, I do want to take a minute to talk about Charlie Pierce. Um, probably a couple minutes on Charlie, actually. Short period, you short know, period of time. <laughs> you know, Charlie, Charlie's a nice guy at a cocktail party mm. when he comes. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked Charlie to a number of events that, that we've held, liberty-focused mm, yes. events, community events, where we're activating our membership and folks that, uh, you know, we have uh, similar beliefs with. And he's promised to come a couple of times, but he's always canceled mm. last minute. Mm. So that's that's disappointing, you know. Um, him not showing up at either of these, these uh, district meetings should speak volumes to people. Especially the Soldatna one. You know, right. I, can, I can get the the Kiski one. It was. It, it's a little. You know, the senior center's a uh, twenty five thirty miles away. It's a ways and, out there, and uh, you know, you know, not twenty five people. But you really think he'd want to show up at the 
the the one in Kenai. The one in Kenai. Yeah, it was right across from the high school at yeah. New Life Assembly, and um, and you know, like I said, it was it was a party. Yeah. <laughs> it was a party and a party, a party of the party. Yeah. But um, but you know, uh, I wanted to talk about because because I've kind of been looking at Charlie's talking points right now about what makes him a good gov or would make him a good governor. And I want to challenge people to dig deeper than the sound bites and just ask some critical questions. So we're going to start with, um, well, there's so many places to start. Um, <laughs> Pick two. Let's, let's, Pick talk, two. let's talk about Second Amendment. So Charlie says that we are a Second Amendment sanctuary. What does that mean? Ideas? I mean, what would you no. think when when you think of the words, we are, a, a mayor says, we are a second amendment sanctuary. Well, he's what, trying, what does that mean? Obviously, what? he's trying to portray that no one's going to take your guns here. Okay, so oh, oh, that's, a, that's a good point. No, that's what uh, he's Joanne, trying to do say. you have any, any ideas? Not really, actually. Okay, so I mean, what does I'm it mean? Listening. Right? What does it mean? Okay, so as a second amendment sanctuary... Sanctuary is a word that is connected to the word shelter. Okay. Protection. All right. When I think of a sanctuary, I think of those, you know, all those old movies I watched when I was a kid where people are running from the Nazis or from some bad guy and they run to the nunnery and and the nuns say, come in, come Come in. in. They lock their big door and put the bar across it. We'll hide you in the catacombs. You know, (laughs) that's what I think of sanctuary or a high tower. You know, I'm going to be able to stand firm on what I believe in this high tower. And no matter what gales and storm and waves bash against the door, I am safe. So, so you're saying we're not like that here? Well, I'm just asking the question, how are we like that? Well, how how are we like no, that? Nobody wants to take your guns if, here that I can if, see. Oh, oh uh, contraire. I know several people who'd like to take my guns. Well, I don't know those people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but but there are there are blue folks. Yes, there are. There you are know, some. Yes. Lots of them yes. in Seward. Yeah. Well, um, there's quite a few down in the uh, heart of the city in Homer. Homer and, and you know, Soldatna has its fair share of blue folks. Yeah, that's true. And that's a couple true. of them had walked in, angrily into my shop uh-huh, in the past. Uh-huh. You know. Uh-huh. Uh, they know who they are, and they've been trespassed. But <laughs> anyway, um, so so when I think of sanctuary, I think, okay, okay, Charlie, that's great. I love the idea. How? 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 Tell me. Tell tell us how. What's the rest? Paul Harvey used to say. And now the, the rest, rest of, of the, the story. story. All right. So what's the rest of the story, Charlie? Because for me, at the very least, if if you, if I were the mayor and I were going to make a statement like that, I would then follow it up with, and here's how. We are a sanctuary. We are a sanctuary because we're going to pass this ordinance that says we're a sanctuary and says that if the state or the federal government or anyone else comes to take your guns and infringes your personal liberty and the rights guaranteed to you under the Constitution, we are going to defend you. Well, as a second-class borough, we have no law enforcement authority. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not like the sheriff can defend you because we don't have a sheriff. Right. We only have done nothing's guard, you know, the troopers, <laughs> the troopers. And and those truly are the governor's men. I didn't elect them. I have no say over what they do. Some of them are great folks. I've known a couple that weren't. But uh, it's not like we can go to the sheriff and knock on his door and say, hey, sheriff, you got a deputy out here that's a wingnut that's beating people up on the street who, you know, were just walking and happened to be the wrong color. I have a friend who's black from Nikiski who is 
had some harassment. Mm-hmm. I, I was shocked to hear about the harassment he received. But, but we don't. We can't go knock on the sheriff's door. Yeah. You could try and knock on Done Nothing's door, but you're not going to get anything but crickets. But isn't you know, for me that's just. See, you get more upset about stuff than I do. I just, to me, that's just typical politician speak. Well, so they all they all just say those. But, things. But but there are a lot of people who just take them at their word and like, well, he's a nice guy. He looks like my grandpa. He sounds like my grandpa. He dresses well. Yeah. You but, know, he shows up at the meetings. He seems to have a level head. He's not he's not uh, outrageous. He's not bombastic in his speech. And you know, he's not he's not going to make me feel uncomfortable. So how old are those people? Because I mean, anybody over the age of twenty five has to know that even if you love the politician there's reasons why people, they're not going to be capable people, of doing what they are, promise people are deceived well and well, see that's one of his other statements is i'm not i'm i'm promising nothing well and, and <laughs> I, actually I, I don't want to elect somebody who says i am going to i'm not going to work to make this goal you know you can promise something without overpromising you can say i promise to fight for life of the unborn. I promise to fight for your Second Amendment rights. I promise to fight against medical mandates. But everybody if says you, that. If you succeed, great. Yeah. If you don't, yeah. you didn't overpromise yeah. because you said you were going to fight. And yeah. sometimes you lose your fights. Uh, well, sometimes you don't have a choice because you're elected into a minority that yes. has no power yeah. and you can't do anything. And so everybody's like, well, you didn't do anything. It's like, I couldn't. Hello, you know, I they stuffed me in a basement closet, took all my staff away, you know, yeah. <laughs> and wouldn't let me speak. But actually, so, I, you know, I, which which yeah. has happened to a number of people. Yes, but I look at what Charlie said, and I think that's one of the more honest politicians because he's actually saying. But but is it because well, because Charlie? Here's what Charlie could do. Well, yeah. Charlie, and could, and what I believe could, he should would, do should could would should say yeah. say we are going to provide guidance to our legal department. That through a resolution, if if a resident of the peninsula approaches us with a complaint that their Second Amendment rights have been infringed, we will task someone in our legal department to at least look into it. And then if there if it if it becomes readily clear that that has happened, then we will meet as a council to decide if there's something more that we can do or should do. Okay. So that's the very least. The okay. second thing they could do is they could create an ordinance. That says more laws when <laughs> more rules. Well, you have to push back as the lesser magistrate. You have to push against the tyranny of the higher magistrate. Yeah. And sure. and that's done through law. Yeah. Because anything else is an administrative or executive order, which is lawless. Yeah. Because the law is derived from and by and for the people, the people through their representatives and their elected leaders. So as much as we don't like new laws, Law is the authoritative allocation of values by society onto leaders to then institute on our behalf. So, so you're saying that, that what you said earlier about if someone tries, there's no laws that do that already no. amongst the no, millions no. and millions so, so here at the borough, hundreds of at thousands the, of at laws. At the borough level. At the borough level. At the borough level. If he's going to say the yeah. Kenai Peninsula Borough is a second yeah. amendment sanctuary, you better be able to back that up and say, here's how. But then on the he other hand. He does not say, here's how. Just because Jason Floyd decides to carry a sidearm yeah. doesn't mean that it that now we're a sanctuary. Yeah. You know, I will be a responsible gun owner and I'm not going to be mm-hmm. shooting people down the streets unless they're attacking somebody or or me or th- threatening, you know, uh, some some heinous thing and the cops can't deal with it because they're not there. 
you know, um, and I, that's the very last thing I ever want to have to do, but you know, we all have a responsibility to protect ourselves and our families and our community, but that doesn't mean that the government is released from the, the part of the deal that we have authorized them to be part of. And that is passes a resolution or an ordinance. An ordinance is a law. It's just a law at the local level that says, uh, here's how we, uh, take this value of gun ownership and we codify it and we say if the uh, if the higher magistrate violates the foundational principles of our country how we will push back and one way to do that when we have no when we have no um, uh, law enforcement authority as a second-class borough is to say at least we'll help with the lawsuit that, that we will help defend our residents against the yeah. infringement yeah. of our yeah. basic rights and cynic, freedoms. Cynic that I am, cynic that I am, I'm going, yeah, right. Well, it's not going to happen. It's like, th- that's what right, I mean. Right, right, right. It's not going to happen. It, so if it's not going to happen, don't yeah. go out to the public and tell well, them something is so when it just ain't so. He, he's just trying to... He's, he's, he's trying to win an election. He, he's trying to win an election. He's he is pandering po- yes. to a, a group of people yeah. he believes are less smart than him. That's that's a that's a carefully crafted way of saying stupid. Yeah, yeah he thinks we're stupid. stupid. They all think we're stupid. You know, the other thing that no, he they all think the, we're the other thing he says is yeah. is that that uh, he he opposes uh, medical mandates, and that he's a supporter of uh, alternative therapeutic and preventative uh, medicine. Mm-hmm. And he got roasted for defending use of ivermectin. Right. Okay. Yeah. So as the chief executive officer, because that's really what he is for the borough, he's the CEO. Yes. Um, he has the responsibility and the authority to do a number of things he ain't done yet. Mm-hmm. One of them is he said that he was anti-mandate. He was anti-basically pandemic, and, and that, that we were a sanctuary in that regard as well. Yeah. But he continued to take COVID money that the feds doled out, which was full of all kinds of strings and conditions that said you had to support essentially their agenda, that there is a, a pandemic and that that uh, that these protocols that deny access to therapeutics and, and preventative means uh, had to be in place. Yes. So he spoke out of one side of his mouth saying one thing, but did something completely different. The other thing he has not done is he has not publicly called for and enacted an internal review or audit of the hospital's contract with the borough. Mm-hmm. And we all ha- know from previous episodes the problems with the hospital and how broken that system is and how many people have received a disservice rather than service through the hospital that we pay for. And boy, do we pay. And you've got some numbers on that. Mm-hmm. But... Um, uh, at the very least, yeah. even if it was just a show of resistance with no real means for enforcement, um, just to just to bring it to the public uh, forum in a way that put pressure on the administration, he could have put his butt in an airplane, flown to Juno, knocked on the door of the governor and beat on his desk and then stood on the Capitol steps and gave a press conference about it and said, I have come to petition the governor to remove Anzinc and to stop telling pregnant women to get vaccinated with mm. an experimental gene therapy yeah. because I stand for the, the residents of my, my borough. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't do any of those things. Basically what he did was he paid lip service to yeah. a bunch of dumb rednecks. Yeah. 
I mean, that's how I feel like he's treating us. Like we're just a bunch of dumb rednecks that aren't going to follow out his statements with with questions Mm -hmm. and say, look, you can say these things. That's great and good. We would love to believe them. But you got to show us how. Help us understand. You know, I, and, I, I and, just don't think that's ever going to happen. And he, well, Chris, I think, I Chris think, Kirk I is going to do that. Well, we'll see. You know, Ron yeah, Gillum has I, I, Ron Gillum Ron, Ron Gillum has done that. Trying. I know Ben Carpenter has done that. Trying. They each trying. in their own in their yeah. own part have at least stood at the lectern yeah. and pounded the lectern yeah. and said, "Doggone it, this is wrong." But how much have they? Accomplished? Yes. How much have they accomplished? What have they really got? Well, they got done? me fired up, and they've got a lot of other people fired up. So, yeah, so that is an more. accomplishment. People are waking up and they're mobilizing. So, we have to celebrate the little victories. Yes. And fuel those with more information, education, mm-hmm. and support, and take the people who are most energized and push them to the front, and say, "We yep. want you to represent us, and we've got your back." Yep. So you can take the political hits and not look behind you and see, hear crickets and just see darkness and a, mm-hmm. and, and a lack of any support. Because that's, you know, politicians basically make decisions based on fear. Yes. They Their all own do. fear. They, they all do. And the public's fear. Yeah. It's completely, it's what they call an adversarial system. Yes. It's all predicated on fear and mm-hmm. power. Who has the power and who fears the power and who can get things done and who can't. The other thing that Mr. Pierce has talked about is that he's going to run the state like a business. Mm-hmm. Well, prior to being the CEO of the borough, he was the head of the ship for Instar. Okay. Instar is a private energy company that receives government energy regulatory protection in the market space, in its market space. Okay. So it gets to operate in a free market environment without having to compete with other producers. Okay. So it's a monopoly. It's a privately held monopoly. We don't even have the the, the feel-good, fuzzy, you know, dystopian reality of being a co-op. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I keep tell, being told, you know, HEA is my company because I'm a co-op member, but I, I seldom do I feel empowered. You know, <laughs> you know, they give me a, a, a little swag bag every year you and say, look at your, did you get your electric bill? <laughs> yeah, you just yeah. get your electric bill. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So, so, you know, but but so it's a it's even a step further removed from the dysfunctional co-op yeah. to where it's just a private company. private company. And I have nothing against private companies, but I do have uh, uh, something against um, anything that goes against free enterprise. The cab company is an example. It would be awesome if I could say, you know what? I'm a little short on cash, I've got a nice car, and I've got some time. I'm just going to throw a a placard out and say, I've got the insurance, and I'm going to drive you around. And I'm going to collect fees. And you can't do that. No, you can't do that because it's a a regulated industry. Now, Uber and Lyft and some of these uh, ride-sharing groups have found legal loopholes and ways around that. Yeah. But uh, we shouldn't have to find legal loopholes in order to just in, engage in commerce because I believe in free enterprise. That's what sets the nation apart from the rest of the world is that we can own property, A, and we can engage in free enterprise. And under the Alaska Constitution says enjoy the fruits of our own industry. So Charlie Pierce is the 
chief officer for NSTAR, a company that exists in a non-competitive environment where he's literally got an energy gun to the head of the consumers and says, you're going to buy my product. And I'm going to set the price wherever we feel is necessary. Now, there's some regulatory controls and things in there that are meant so that there's not price gouging and, and that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, I don't want to give an oversimplified, you know, analysis of his position. But the, the bottom line is, is he existed in a company that was enjoyed a, a monopoly position that had a, a hostage um, clientele. So, so bottom line is you're saying... You don't think he can do the job? I bottom line is I I, is that, I think is that, that like, he like, he when like, he says he's a businessman and he's going to run the state like a business, yeah. I want to ask the question: What kind of business? Kind of because business? really, Instar is it's just true. another form of bureaucracy. Yeah, it is. It is. It's not free enterprise. It is. It Charlie is. Pierce didn't have to invest his wealth and and no. sacrifice his uh, personal no. holdings to make sure that no. company survived. No. And he and, was a hired yeah. gun to run an yeah. organization, yeah. so he's a very good manager, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But, I don't know. I haven't but, worked but, for him. But haven't we learned over COVID and even through the uh, uh, Trump presidency, the thing that really amazed me was he relied a lot on business people and especially uh, the guy was... Uh, Mike Lindell? No, or? Secretary of State. Secretary of State, for the former Exxon um, CEO. And I was so appalled with him because he ran this huge multinational company yet he really didn't have any business sense or have an understanding of how to deal with people or or anything and i think that's what we've seen is unless it's a private business which nstar wasn't i think you hit the the nail on the head when you said he was just a bureaucrat charlie yeah. Just a bureaucrat. Yeah. He, he really had, he had not like Mike Lindell, Mark, Mike Lindell, who has, it's, it's, that's a private company. A well, and, private and, company. and look at Done Nothing. Done Nothing well, was, was, was in education. He was a teacher. teacher superintendent, I think, at one point. Superintendent, yeah. The CEO. Right? CEO. Of a but bureaucracy. Bu- bu- bureaucrat. He goes yeah. up to Juno. He's a bureaucrat, bureaucrat still. Yeah. You know, that's his background. Yeah. Now let's look at Walker. Yeah. Walker is an attorney, so I mean that's a mark against him right away. But um, he was an he oil was, company lawyer, though, wasn't he? Well, and he was he was also the city attorney for the city of Valdez. Valdez. He was also on the on the uh, port authority, uh, which was uh, uh, trying to get the uh, Trans Alaska gas pipeline, Pi- gas pipeline to terminate in Valdez, Valdez. and he also owns property by the way on the right of way so if yeah. it had terminated in Valdez <laughs> he would have made a buttload of money, money yeah. so um, actually so again, if you want to do yeah. something funny as a side note there is actually a unit of measure called a butt a butt a buttload yeah so you can a, take a look at it it's a liquid measure isn't it, <laughs> isn't it my, my son is an uh, engineer and he told me you know he was an engineering student he didn't finish but no. but he's like you know you always say buttload and I was like yeah, yeah. he's like that's actually a, a thing, a thing. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> Funny. I just thought it was fun to say. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he would have stood to, to make a buttload yeah. of money. But you he's know? again so, a bureaucrat, though. Again, a bureaucrat. But largely. You know? Largely worked yeah, with a bureaucrat. Yeah. With just some, some legal education. Yeah. So so that's him. And then Charlie Pierce, yeah, bureaucrat. Yeah. And then uh, the Democrat, well, he's a Democrat. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't really have to say anything else about no, that. No. But let me tell you who Chris Kirka and, and uh, in, in full disclosure for folks, I am a part of the Chris Kirka campaign. Okay, so uh, he has not bought or paid for any of what I'm saying Uh, other than I write stuff for him. Okay, Okay? and his brother 
married my daughter and his other brother is one of my best friends and his wife was my bookkeeper. So uh, I know uh, the family uh, uh, well, uh, uh, uh. you know, so if you think that that disqualifies me in some way, well, that's your problem, not mine. But but the thing I do know about Chris Kirka and his running mate, Paul Huper, is they have both thrown their entire lives, their savings, their their livelihoods into the free market and risked it all to build small businesses, Mm -hmm. not looking to the government to give them anything, not looking for a handout, not looking for mother government to provide a program to save their butts. Chris Kirka owns three businesses. Mm -hmm. He's going to be 35 years old this this year. Mm -hmm. He is a seated member of the House of Representatives. He's been a political activist since he was 16 years old. He's put it on the line every day of his life since he became activated. Mm -hmm. Mr. Huber also has his own story, much more the senior to Mr. Mm -hmm. uh, Kirka. Mr. Huber is, I think he's uh, 59, approaching 60. He's raised his daughters. They're they're successful adults. Um, that's saying something. If you can raise some successful <laughs> kids, I mean, it's it's not easy. No. Especially in this day and age. And I don't know if it ever has been in any day or mm-hmm. age. But essentially, he has that. That's a pretty significant feather in his cap. He's married to his wife, uh, who he's been married to for many, 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 many years. Their life hasn't always been sunshine and roses. They've struggled financially. Uh, he was part of uh, investment, investing in, in properties back when the big SNL collapse mm-hmm. happened, and he was overextended and lost his shirt. So you mean he wasn't originally rich? No, no, oh. no, no, okay. no. But but he has he has he has two degrees, yeah. one in finance and one in economics. Yeah. You know, uh, Barack Obama didn't even have that. Uh, uh, he was yeah. just a community organizer, yeah, lawyer, <laughs> lawyer, lawyer. And we're not even quite sure about his you know law degree, total pedigree, yeah. Uh, yeah. academically or otherwise. But you know, so so Paul Huber and his wife have successfully run this business in Homer for over twenty years, a small boutique hotel, B and B with a a spa. Yeah. Right. And he's building six houses right now. Mm. He's got investors. He's got friends. This was all before he was ever invited to jump into the political form. He's never sought political office or a leadership position. But these guys, if you want your state run like a business, you need to. I would advise you to look to people who know what it means to risk everything and to have to make hard decisions in a competitive environment where there are other products and other producers in that space and you have to outperform them and still figure out how to make a living and pay all your employees and your bottom line and your your own home expenses and then you know and and people who aren't just punching a clock where you know they've got paid leave and sick time and insurance and a retirement and a golden parachute and the company car and, you know, all of that stuff. Because that's what bureaucrats get. Mm-hmm. That's what bureaucrats get. And so, so Charlie Pierce has a lot to prove to me. A lot of things he says sound good and he's great at a cocktail party. And yes, he looks like grandpa and he's soft spoken and mild mannered and just a nice guy. But nice guys just aren't going to cut it. He's already said that through his spokesperson, Peter Zayus, who's down in Homer, 
Um, and he has a tainted history working with the Bayesden campaign and doing some, I believe, unethical things against against Ron Gillum. Peter Zayus, as his spokesperson, when he announced, said that he's not alt-right. He's not mm-hmm. a bomb thrower. Well, mm-hmm. those are trigger words. Those are trigger statements. He's trying to trigger an emotional response from people. He's a centrist yeah. at best. Yeah. He's pandering to the center, hoping that they won't ask hard questions and that they'll just buy his sound bites. And then he says he's going to be reasonable and work with the other side. Well, every time the right says they're reasonable, it's because they feel like they have to apologize for their positions yes. with the left. And the left never cedes territory, ever. And we always go further and further left. We start right of center, and then we always get sucked to the center and a little bit further to the left. So Dunleavy, done nothing, has done that (laughs) repeatedly. Caved at every pivotal moment where he should have stood his ground. He's a spineless bureaucrat. Walker before him. Not even a Republican. No, no. You know... So really, as the election and campaign cycle heats up, my encouragement to you as the listener is to go a step further and just say, show me how. Mm -hmm. When somebody makes a statement, say, can you explain that further? When somebody attacks uh, a candidate, as happened to Mr. Kirka, just flip the the question around and say, okay, your favorite person, how do they answer that question? Mm -hmm. Because if... If Charlie Pierce is District, uh, whatever it is now, District 29 for previously, District 8, are you District 8 or 6? 6, six? I so, think. so District 6. six. Is so, so, yeah. so as District 6, the guy that you've endorsed, Charlie Pierce, you know, um, is he going to, if you asked him the same question, would he say, oh, yeah, it doesn't really matter, it's, it's, not a, it's a non-issue, and I'll, I'll go ahead and vote for a poorly crafted bill? None of our representatives should be in a position where they say, yes, I would vote for a poorly crafted bill just out of convenience and it makes somebody else feel fuzzy. Because then they're not doing their job, right? It's supposed to be a slow-moving process, and we're not supposed to get laws just rammed through, like Nancy Pelosi says, we'll read the bill after it passes, mm-hmm. right? We, that's how we get into a whole bunch of trouble. That's how we, we've got what our COVID response is uh, Obamacare, and, you know, we have to pass the bill to read it, and uh, now we're finding out, gee, it had a lot more strings attached. Hey, have you noticed Dr. Fauci's missing? Yeah, yeah. They've, he's on milk cartons. <laughs> been gone long enough, they, they put his I name remember the day cartons. when people's faces were on milk, milk cartons. cartons. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. a genius marketing yeah. campaign for finding the loss. Yeah. But now, actually, he's really gone way down market, and he's doing, like, third-rate uh, television and radio stations. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. In, I would, in the country. I would love to have a milk carton with Dr. Fauci's yeah. face on it. Maybe you could invite him on the podcast. Maybe he's sunk that low. <laughs> he's that low he's that, that he would low. come on the conservative hour of power. <laughs> hour of power. <laughs> Maybe we Just could to in, get his voice we out could, there. We could bestow some enlightenment on yeah, him. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know, you know. But this 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 administration is is wonderful at disappearing, changing. They they've got it down. They really. Hey, did have you it hear? There's a war on. Where? Uh, well, it looks like we're we're headed into World War Three. It really? seems to me. Are you kidding? That there's some convenient timing here. 
Also, every blue city in the nation has decided that on, I I heard, I can't remember which city was, New York or something, is like, um, Wednesday, we are going to remove all masking requirements for children in schools. Oh, really? Wednesday. Why not right now? You know, is the risk for COVID right now at the time that you're making your your press release? Well, they haven't sent the notice out yet. Somewhat somewhat, uh, more elevated than it will be on Wednesday. And if you know it's going to be more elevated now than on Wednesday, why would you even talk about Wednesday? Jason, you're just so silly because you don't (laughs) get it that that COVID didn't get the notice yet. COVID has to have the notice. Yeah, yeah. And and all of this is culminating as our truckers are gaining in mass while the the mainstream, lamestream media is like, nothing to see here. Did you hear that the convoy's been called off? You know, did you you see that story? No, I didn't see it. Yeah, last early last week, I was like, Freedom Convoy canceled. (laughs) <laughs> it's like what it was only tri- six trucks strong and it it, uh, it didn't even make it across the state line you know kind of thing the one out of California or something well, what they should do is <laughs> what I think would be hilarious would be just to get get up get close to Washington and then just turn left you know, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> just pretend they're heading there. And, then and, and somebody get, needs to get on the side the, the, the loudspeaker and go, psych. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously, do something like that. And they're all standing there, the, you know, the <laughs> National Guard and Oh, did Nancy you hear the, the, the National Guard's going to be unarmed? Really? Yeah, that's what they said. They said, they're there just to, you know, control traffic. Yet January the sixth, they they had to arm it because it was a bunch of people. So people are more, <laughs> people are more people. Old people with walkers are scarier than big trucks. I'm not getting no. Which, which not, I don't understand how they can do that anyway with you know posse comitatus. You know, um, uh, yeah, the posse comitatus says that we can't use our military against our people. Jason, well, <laughs> you know, now I understand after sitting through a lot of these political conversations, now I understand when you go to therapy, a therapist always say to you, never ask why. <laughs> never. And when you'd say, you'd say, well, why? They'd say, don't ask that question because these are, it's rhetorical. Like, it, 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 you don't even have to talk about posse comitatus because they don't care. That's the, that's the why. They don't yeah. care. And it's the same with, you know, the, the, the masking. It's the same with everything. They just don't care. So, you know, uh, masking's falling down. You know, mm-hmm. apparently the COVID is over, and now we have to worry about nuclear fallout. What did you hear about nuclear fallout? Oh, no, you, you, have, were, to, you, you have to... You, you were you, saying something you, earlier before the show about you, some, some... You have to make sure you take your mask. Oh, for nuclear fallout? When you go down the fallout shelter. As Armageddon's going on outside... They're going to check you for social distancing. I, you know what? I had made a resolution yeah. at the beginning of the year, yeah. and I forgot all about it. So in your bomb shelter? Yeah. If you I was supposed only... to build a bomb shelter yeah, this yeah. year. But if in your bomb shelter, if you Crap. can only accommodate six with social distancing, when your neighbor comes and knocks on the door with his wife and two children, you say, no, we can't social distance. We've you already, stay we've already put the tape on the we've floor. The, there's yeah. no more space. There's, there's no more space. <laughs> And we've got uh, yeah. unidirectional arrows uh, yeah. to control to, the to, flow to control of traffic the in the bomb shelter and, so that we none of us brush shoulders while but, we're shopping but, the but pantry. We've got to realize, <laughs> let's go back to bureaucrats, because I honestly think everything in the world is interconnected. Maybe we could call them bureau rats. What, 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 could you imagine submitting that proposal to your boss? Because obviously it's approved by somebody. Some minion in an office writes it down, they pass it up the chain, and somebody says, yeah, that's good language, right? 
Think about that. And, and that, say, well, you know, we better fact check this against uh, science. How does, uh, is science in the building? Mr. Fauci, yeah. are you in the building? How, how does that even get out the door that someone sits down and says, yeah, we're in, in the middle of Armageddon. We're going to make sure you have your mask on. I'm pretty sure nuclear diseases. fallout's going to kill the viruses and everything else. Well, no, <laughs> it, it's got obviously the mask and that has to have some protection or else I wouldn't put it in there. All right. Well, let's let's, let's jump over to Dwayne here. Dwayne, so uh, as we were talking about, Paul Harvey says, and the rest of the story. I know that you've been having an ongoing conversation with Loretta, and there was some stuff that you were a little nervous about talking about last time we had you on the show. So for those of you who uh, missed it or uh, don't remember, uh, Mr. Downs uh, visited with us about his wife, his late wife, and her uh, her her... her struggle with uh, the hospital system and COVID and how she was uh, abused and misused and ultimately died um, in the hospital and how he was mistreated uh, as her partner, her husband, and uh, denied access to her in her last uh, moments and and uh, right up to the end where he finally got some breakthrough, but without not without much uh, agony and uh, struggle and pain. So, Dwayne, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, so, so tell us about what uh, what transpired in this. I think uh, the term that Loretta said was a psychiatric hold or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, what happened? Um, first off, I want to I want to wish my wife a happy heavenly birthday. It's been a tough day for me, but I'm I'm getting through. Is it today her her birthday? And today would be her birthday. Okay, should have been sixty three today. Anyways, um, I think it, I think it started off when I bought my pickup, right off the bat. Uh, I went and drove up to Glen Allen to check on my parents. My mom was in in Copper Center. My dad was in Anchorage in the hospital. He was over in Alaska Regional. So when when I bought the truck, the guys there told me, please learn the pass system, the Ford pass system. So a week and a half of that, it's a 2020. So it's it, you have to have your cell phone and a locator device on it so, so they know where your truck is at. So, you know, you didn't buy it outright. You bought a $60,000 truck on a payment. So the truck has to be programmed to you. Okay, so, so and, it's like a low jack on your yeah, truck. And, and for, for a week and a half, it was a stolen truck. Okay. So I had people following me everywhere. When I went all the way up to Glen Allen, all the way back down. It was and a stolen I, truck? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cops were watching me. Nobody was, nobody was pulling me over, though. I, it was, I, I seen cops following me everywhere. I threw Cooper Landing right on my ass. Okay. So, anyways, um, that, that went on for about a week and a half uh, before I realized, hey, I got to catch up to it, catch up to the system. Um, <laughs> you didn't like the extra company all no, the time? You know, I didn't, I, you, you know, you could have you could have reframed and said, man, this is awesome. I shouldn't do anything because everywhere I go, I have an armed escort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think that that was a, probably the start of it. But... Um, what happened is I so my, so let's let's clarify when you when you a start of it, um, are are you talking about like a start of yeah, you being on the radar or sort of things being me going off the deep end? Okay, okay, 
and and when did this happen? Let's put it into time frame. Is this past yeah. after your wife died? A week, two weeks, three weeks? Before whatever. your wife died, when? Yeah. Okay. My wife's service was October 9th, and I was invited to my buddy's house because they didn't want me staying home alone. Uh -huh. So they had an extra room. They fed me dinner. Had a good time that night. Uh, we had discussed that he had heart surgery, open heart surgery, about five months ago. Mm -hmm. So listen on to this because this is, it gets better. Uh, he, he discussed that he wasn't able to get treatment. Okay. Because of COVID, everything, he doesn't have the money to do it, and they won't, Medicare or whatever won't take care of him. Right. So we d discussed that then, and then I went on my hiatus for the week and a half. Uh, when I got back, I ended up going back over there with my dog. And okay. I wanted to show my dog around because my dog grew up on our property. Okay. And, right. and again, this is after your wife has passed. This is after she okay. passed. Before you bought the truck or after? No, it was after I bought the truck. Okay. All so, right. So, so did you buy the truck before your wife passed or after she passed? After she passed. Okay, so she passed. You bought the truck, they spending time me. with friends, driving around. Cops were following you. Um, now what? People were following me. Uh, so I got back to my buddy's house with my dog. Mm -hmm. And uh, later on in the evening, uh, we had talked about getting, you know, some help for him. And I, I initiated it. Okay. I, I took my palm of my hand. Like that. Careful. Oops, sorry. <laughs> like that to his chest. Okay. Okay, well, the house was bugged because I was there the week before. Okay. <laughs> it was. It's not a conspiracy theory. It was. The, cop, uh, the cops were there in five minutes. Okay. And this is out East End Road. Okay. The, cops, the troopers were there in five minutes. Okay. So um, they shook me down. Uh, they didn't have enough to arrest me. They, I don't know, fourth or fifth degree uh, misdemeanor is what it was and for what for 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 thumping his a, chest getting into an altercation oh did, so so did he ask you to give him a chest compression we had discussed something okay so all right so so he said but, yes but or yeah. no <laughs> well we had discussed it put it that way so and so the police got involved yeah uh you were and charged I, I submitted to cuffs because i was in a bad way at that time okay, I, so I, my my mind snapped at that point okay um so so you did have a, a psychological collapse yes okay yeah all right um, and, and, so, and so at some point in time you had a had a physical contact with your buddy uh, your mind collapsed and the police were involved. What happened after that? Uh, they took me up to South Peninsula Hospital, of course. Okay. Where my wife's killed at. And, you know, I'm kind of nervous about it because I know what the hell they did. Uh, and they evaluated me and then they t put a Title 47 mental hold on me. Yep. So, so they it. transport you to API then? Or no, just no, keep they, you in the hospital? They threw me to, in jail. Okay, so you were in jail. I was in you were under Homer for a couple of days. Under and, observation. And then they took me to uh, Wildwood. Okay. So I was there for eight days. So you're in Wildwood for eight days. Uh, okay. And, and when you, uh, when were you arraigned for anything? Were you arraigned for the assault or? No. Okay. No. All right. So no, no arraignment. You were held. You were put, you were put in, in jail, then into Wildwood. You were in Wildwood eight days. Then what happened? My sister third-partied me. I, I talked her into to borrowing my pickup, coming up and 
get me out of jail. Okay. So she, everything so was agreed So do you have to like give bail or some kind of like you had to be released to a third party who was going to be it was a third party custodial, um, you know, she's going to watch you. My my lawyer was wanting a performance bond. $1000 okay. performance bond so I could Right. I could go things, go do things on my own. Yeah. You know. But the judge denied it. Okay. So who who was the judge? Do you remember? I don't know. Uh-oh. Okay. I don't off the top of my head. I don't. Yeah. Okay. So so uh, you got released on third party. Third party. I was with my sister for a week, and my sister actually went off the deep end and put me back in jail for okay. another for another six. Okay. <laughs> so, so 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 why what 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 transpired there? I because you, know, you don't just get put in jail, yeah. in, you know, for nothing transpiring. Usually, I mean, it, it's rare, but it it has happened. But I mean, you had to have some kind of altercation with her or something for the police to justify getting you back. There was hold. there was I was nice as pie. Um, she was she was running around talking about me. Okay, to everybody and spreading false. Oh, hey, look, there goes uh, some kind of. Is it one? Uh, is it a one-car convoy? <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Flags flying. Flags flying. Uh, lights flashing. Horn honking. <laughs> wow. Okay, so there's some spirited people out today. Um, all right, so go ahead. So, okay. so, so you you had. It sounds like I don't know. Did you ever see? Oh, what was that? What was that? What was that? Um, that movie with Michael, not Michael Caine, Michael um, uh, Sutherland. I think that was Michael Sutherland, where he's a guy just trying to get across town oh. to his daughter. It was back in the 80s. It was genius. Oh, okay. And he just snaps in traffic. Oh. And and he wants to go get breakfast like a McDonald's yeah. or something. And like, sir, you can't order breakfast because yeah. breakfast ended at 11 o'clock. He said, I've been standing in line since like, Ten fifty-five. It's a it's eleven it's eleven oh one right now. Was that Michael Douglas? Yeah, Michael Douglas. Yeah, falling down, falling down. So, so I'm I'm not I, I'm not trying to make light of your situation, but this really sounds like a falling down situation where there's a catalyst. The catalyst in this was your wife's demise, and then you're trying to deal with stress. And um, go ahead. I think that South Peninsula Hospital did that on purpose. Uh, put a hold on you on purpose. Mm-hmm. So, so why why did they put a hold on you? I mean, so you, well, I did snap. I mean, okay, I, don't get me wrong, and <laughs> so, probably could have used some time in jail. But okay, I didn't need jail well, time. Well, I didn't. Did, you I did, did get time in jail. Yeah. Maximum security. Okay. Yeah. I got my own cell. The best okay. part about going to jail when you're crazy, you get your own cell. <laughs> okay. It was short of padded, but. <laughs> All right. Uh, so not not my idea of a good weekend, yeah. but yeah. Uh, so 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 you have this devolution of sort of uh, sanity or just just a, a, a normalcy. We'll we'll call it um, we'll call it a uh, it's a uh, acute acute uh, reaction. You know, there's something called acute acute stress response (ASR). So it sounds like sounds like I mean you're not you haven't threatened me today. <laughs> no, no, I just you know I was in a bad way for a little bit, and I, yeah. I don't know if it was COVID that caused that or if it was the truck, you know, the, the combination of everything just got, came all down at once. Yeah. So. So you know I think I think what what. So so let's let's sort of wrap up where you're at now. So so you you spent time. 
in isolation so you could kind of get back to some new baseline of normal and um, sort of sort out where you are mentally, psychologically, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and when you got out of holding, did they did they refer you to any kind of psychiatric help or any kind of counseling or support? Or? That was that was the conditions of my release was to seek uh, counseling. Okay, and were you successful in yeah, securing services? Absolutely. Okay. Ninilchik traditional counsel. Has and been has that been beneficial to you? Do you it's feel been pretty good? Been yeah. pretty good. This first time I've ever seen a counselor. So you know. It's, and how, it's, how long have you been seeing a counselor? Uh, since I got out of jail, <laughs> so how, how I was long? on I was in jail for twenty three days, so it was about mid November, I believe, is when I when you when you so are you still seeing a counselor? I am. Okay, I still am. You know, um, this is the stuff that you don't normally hear about, right? Because it's not things that people are proud about. And I want to I want to commend you for your courage. Yeah in coming in and telling us the rest of the story. Because oftentimes but, we're criticized for, oh, well, you just glossed over that or you ignored that. or Well, sometimes we just don't get all the details. And, and uh, details, you know, when we talk to people, we're talking with people's real lives. We're, you know, yeah. podcasts are kind of a form of entertainment. You know, um, they're a form for information. They are a format for education, uh, for news, you know. Um, but but realistically, at the heart of every story, at the heart of every interview, at the heart of every um, guest is are details, details that are private, are intimate, are embarrassing or hurtful or painful or, you know, and um, that's one of the reasons I like this format is because when you get a radio show like Bob Bird's or, you know, um, or, or like sound off or something. Those are in like 15 minute increments. You don't get a continuous stream of consciousness. You have to break for commercials every every 15 minutes. And then you sit there in the studio and you stare at each other and you wait for the, the news to go past. And there's a lot of distractions and things. And, and you don't actually get to have a conversation. And uh, you got to get your information out, get it out quick, have a commercial break, then do it again. You know, so podcasts give us the opportunity to dig dive deeper and you know this is this is something that's near and dear to my heart right now um you know mental health Mm -hmm. mental health you know probably the biggest casualty of of the last two years has been the mental health of our community and our children and families and the stress that it for me has been overwhelming at times you know, I had a I had a conversation with a family member last night I deeply love who decided at the end of all this COVID craziness. <laughs> it's almost over. To get vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was like, yeah, I was devastated. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, why? Why? <laughs> why? They, they already had T-cell, yeah. you know, protection because they had COVID. Yeah. And yeah. and there's so many streams of information coming out. It's overwhelming. It's hard to sift out all the noise and, and find where the meat of the truth is. And I think that's the biggest victim next to mental health is truth. Yes. Because it doesn't matter what truth is anymore. It matters what camp you're in and how much power that camp perceives to have or not have and how big a microphone they have and what kind of sticks of power they wield. Yeah. And then that becomes truth. And it's all it's all relative and there's there's no like... It's all gray and wishy-washy and... Yeah. 
and and like and as you know what happened to Dwayne and his wife it wasn't it, it, regardless of what happened at the hospital right. his wife died and I don't think there was any looking past that she died oh well because in a in a in a proper system you'd look at the devastation of that see that he was distraught and there should have been follow-up with him do you remember hospice that used to be yes. a thing yeah Right, that was yeah. a thing where we yeah. we conscientiously no. care for those care. who are dying and the people around them, and we make them as comfortable yes. as possible in the setting they choose. Yeah, and that's and that's we support them and their family. Yeah, and that's disappeared. And, and we show compassion yeah. and mercy and grace mm -hmm. and and uh, and we connect people to services yeah. so that things like your story, you know, the rest of the story don't happen. That that when you lose your life partner. And there's nothing but silence to go home to. Yeah. And there's nothing but a thin echo. And nobody wants to come see you. And and you everybody's know. feeling terrible, but nobody wants to come see you. It, they don't know how to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wh what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. And, and in the absence of real service, you know, the government loves to talk about, especially our government here in Alaska, how much we need them to provide us with support and they utterly completely fail to provide even the basis the basic um fundamental family support you know in a pandemic right if this was a pandemic and they say this was a pandemic pandemic when you have that level of loss and that you know, they tell us we lost everything i i still don't personally know anybody who died that was my friend from covid you know but but there are people like lots of people like me that they hear of friends who have friends that died or they hear of somebody who had a loved one that died you know um i i can say that my father-in-law you know that was something that happened the last two weeks my father-in-law died you know uh he was fully vaccinated and he went crazy in the last five months of his life he totally disowned our family and me and you know we'd been friends friends for 20 years and it just completely unexplainable there's a lot of that going around you know days. and and a huge devastating loss for his wife you know he's just suddenly said oh at the table and fell over and you know he he didn't make it he didn't make it to the hospital and no warning you know, and, 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 and she didn't even know that, that he was he was calling us and saying the things he was over the five months that estranged us. And so, huh. you know, um, I look at that and I say, there's something more that doesn't meet the eye here. This does not make sense. This was this was a rock solid guy yeah. mm -hmm. that that you could depend on when you were in a fight. He was the guy that was going to have your back. He was the guy. And he just. 180 degree personality change over the space of five months and and no support you know uh, I, I don't know that there's been any support that's come from the hospital or the state or anything to help my, my grieving you know mother-in-law you know and and what a failure of government they want to print. They want to print all this money. They want to fund all these projects. They want to justify the taking, the taxing of us through our PFDs. Um, 
because we so desperately need the services they provide. And then they utterly miss the mark completely when it comes to the fallout from the massive loss of life and finance and social position and behavioral health that people have experienced through COVID. Well, they, they, they turn to their bureaucrats and their bureaucrats said it's the, it's the material things that people care for more. Maybe when you look at what happened to your father-in-law, I would have to ask, okay, I, that's a year and a half into COVID. Right. This drumbeat of, you know, getting to, if I don't know how much he consumed media, but most, most people did. This drumbeat of don't. Well, he basically locked himself in yeah, his house for two don't, years. Don't meet with people. Don't do this. Uh, to me, that would be a natural reaction. Yeah. I've, I know people that are so terrified to go outside. They, well, they won't step outside their home. Well, I want to I thank yeah. Dwayne for coming in and sticking with us through the first half of the show. Uh, he's got to run. There's a snowstorm here, and he lives quite a ways out of town. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not running out just yet. I'm going to t- obtain the meeting. Okay, yeah. So we have, but we have I have our, to go take my dog to the dog park. We, okay. <laughs> For those of you who are not aware, the Amokan Coffee Social Club is located conveniently right in front of Soldatna's only dog park. And it's so, awesome. And it's, it's awesome. awesome. So if you'd like it. to uh, take your dog for a ride and uh, get a coffee. Get first. Yes, get a coffee yes. first yeah, and then, then sit in the pavilion. Walk over and sit in the pavilion. Watch your Watch dog. The, the quiet snow gently falling as uh, Fido finds his way around the many interesting smells. Um, it was good to see you again, Dwayne. I, I hope that uh, your recovery continues to progress as it has. Thank you for sharing. And I know it might make people feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's nobody ever likes to talk about mental no. illness or or um, depression or these yucky things that make us feel, you know, insufficient, gross, or or you know, just sad. But it's something that we cannot ignore. Yeah. And there are people all around us who are hurting similarly, and it's our responsibility to put our spidey senses out there. And when we sense that somebody's not doing okay to come alongside of them and give them a hug yeah if you're a guy give that lady a side hug you know Mm -hmm. be be politically you know appropriate (laughs) uh (laughs) i don't know if you have to do that with transgender transitioning folks or not but we uh, we, we won't even we won't even we can't even talk we can't even talk about can't even talk no it's not allowed well i don't know it's verboten I showed you the photo a couple weeks ago. Yeah, don't ago do that again. <laughs> Come on, it made me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> well, you figure out what, what do you do to the, what do you do? Would you hug? Would would you hug that person? I would not get near the person. I would I would say like, uh, dude, et, uh, stay on your side of the uh, socially distanced space, please. Uh, <laughs> I don't. You know, that's not something you want to get into because you could have whole conversations oh my about gosh. Leah Thomas, the uh, transgender. Uh, swimmer who has not divested herself of her male genitalia who now you know she's more of a man than i am yeah. i've seen pictures of her and it's like holy crap that that uh dude et is uh yeah in but, better shape than i am but she uh <laughs> undresses in the female dressing rooms and exposes her male genitalia and you have uh. under you have un, there are apparently a couple of under definitely under nineteen year olds and there's a, a I, I had read that there was a seventeen year old girl on the that makes team. me feel uneasy. I would as a, <laughs> as a mother I would be you know I just feel uneasy with male genitalia and pers- personally just when I'm exposed to it I never liked going into the men's locker room when I was a kid 
and oh. and have dudes walking around, oh. you know, butt naked, just you know, being well, there. I, you I know, just, I, I've just I'm just a very uh, private person and and pretty. Um, I don't know if you call me prudish. Uh, the Europeans would call me a prude, but um, you know, I I just. Well, it, I I think oh, what it comes from is they, is they think that you have to you're sophisticated if you're okay with all kinds of things. And I have a an article here from uh, England in which. The uh, it's a very high end uh, theater. No theater. Oh, uh, okay. It's, it was called a West End theater. Right. You do with it what right. you will, and they they've gone to a play, and they've now got uh, gender neutral bathrooms. So these women in these beautiful dresses are walking into this bathroom, and there's men at the urinals, mm-hmm. and they're walking past these men in tuxedos at urinals. This sounds gross. To get to the stall and the stalls are the seats of the stalls not all men are nice and tidy are covered with urine <laughs> and they're going like we paid a lot of money to come to here to to pee in a toilet that's got urine and watch men urinate I, i'm not understanding you have to pay extra for that i'm not understanding who thinks <laughs> that's, that's why a, the ticket prices are so high but who thinks is that's you a have good idea? you have the show and then you have the show <laughs> The, you know, and I during just, the intermission, there's even a third show. And I guess people put up with it. I, I, but how do you? Uh, yeah, other you than know, boycotting you know, and, and, and then, not you, going and then to you hear about places. these stories about billionaires uh, with uh, jets and islands, and uh, you know, exclusive clubs with underage people, and 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 they try to they try to normalize this depravity, this this behavior. And and say this is socially acceptable. Not only is it socially acceptable, but it's kind of like the emperor who had no clothes. You know, it's like it's like well, you're just you're, you're not just, you're, you're not, not enlightened. Well, you're not seeing what you're seeing. Yeah. What, you, what you see, what you think you see, is not what you think you see. Right, and I'll right. tell you what I think you see because you don't know enough to think you see what you think you see. Right. And if you is, think is what, differently, yeah. then you're not enlightened. No, you're not enlightened. You're, you're, and, and it's, it's all it's about no matter. No, no wonder you're part of the huddled masses. Yeah. Well, it's the actually miserable. And I've got know. another article. It's called siloed thinking. It's what you do is there's a tendency today, and I've, I've watched this, you know, in the development of my daughter and her professional career. They mm-hmm. tend to silo people. They, they, they sort them, and they put them in a group that matches, and then they just they, they educate them all, and as they go upwards, they all think the same. So it's right. silo thinking. Right. That, and that's a form it's, of control. It's, it's, yeah, it's very much it's control. Social, it's social engineering is it, what it is. It is, because what you've done is you've isolated them from all the other people that would think differently. Well, you know, th- there hasn't been a lot of talk about this uh, in the last 10 years or so, but I remember when I was a, a young man uh, in high school, in junior high, there was a lot of national attention given to uh, students' uh, performance standards, and uh, they were always pointing to China and Japan as you know outcompeting us. But then, then this other side of the the conversation would come up and say, "Yes, but look at the uh, rates of suicide in their teens," and uh, and that while this uh, this system does produce uh, these very high testing individuals, that um, they're all committing suicide. That the stress is so high that they're just they're just killing themselves. And there can be all kinds of confounding factors culturally and socially that might lead them yeah. into that position as yeah. well. But I remember it was a prominent theme within those those discussions about educating youth. And and if you look at you look at the root cause of that, it's I th- you know, I mean, what causes somebody to want to end their life? It's I, I believe it's strongly um, a, a, a sense of hopelessness. Hope, 
hopelessness, uh, the, the inability to hope for any kind of positive change, any kind of better outcome than what one, one is currently experiencing, and that uh, uh, this idea of being stuck and, and having no escape, and that, that uh, suicide becomes that discussion for how do I escape my misery, or how do I escape my, my, my isolation or my sense of hopelessness. And, no. you know, as we talk with Dwayne. Yeah, like what happened with Dwayne. Dwayne just snapped. Yeah. You know, because he he and for those of you who, <laughs> who are listening, going, oh, my gosh, is this happening? You know, I had very little information about what actually happened with Dwayne and what he wanted to share mm-hmm. coming I, in, I didn't, into this. And, I didn't have that. You know, that Loretta level. and I were exchanging glances <laughs> and it was like, um, OK, yeah. th- this is uh, this, this is, is going a direction we didn't expect. This is real. This, this is, is real. live. This is you what know, happened to him. This is what happened to him. And, and it's it's important. You well, know? because how many other like your father in law? Mm-hmm. See, I don't think, you know, just you just listening to you, it makes absolute sense to me that this is a man, your father-in-law, that listened to this this regurgitated whatever for a year for for a year and a half. Right. He he locked himself in a room literally because right. he was afraid to go out. And the tragedy is... And you is, said he was vaccinated, too. Didn't he tragi- get vaccinated? Yeah, yeah. He and got the, vaccinated. <clears throat> he did everything right. And then... It, and they, in the it, end, it didn't help it him. It didn't help him. And who, who knows how much and, of that and, stress and, contributed to and his you heart know, attack. And, you know, maybe maybe there were confounding factors. He was a very private man, which we respected, yep. you know, in his own health, care, and, yep. and needs. And maybe there were other things he was dealing with that we didn't know about, yeah. you know, comorbidities or, yes. or disease, you know, whatever. But... Um, but the fact that he spent the last two years of his life sequestered and locked away in fear in his home yeah. and his quality of life was degraded such that yeah. he that in the end he, the end of his life was ex- what happened he, the way that it did well and what did he have to live for too. Well, well, and he had a lot to live for. Well, you know, he had his wife, he had his children. His, his sure, you know. Um, but but when we talk about quality of life and living, it's kind of like um, I will guarantee that you will live the next twenty five years mm-hmm. if I could do that, right? And I tell you, but mm. it's going to require you to give all control of your life to me. Mm. You have to do everything I say you do. You eat when I tell you to eat. You eat what I tell you to eat. You exercise when I tell you you can exercise. You sleep when I tell you to sleep. You associate with the folks I let you associate. You don't associate with those whom you want to, but I don't approve of. And I, I, for me, I don't know. But you get to live. A... But you get to live 25 years. But I can tell you certainly that I know for a fact. Yeah. If you don't do these things, that yeah. in two years' time, three years' time, you will be dead. What? And you know, I mean, this is a a, a big thought experiment. Yeah. Right? It, right. It is. And you could change the variables to 25 years. Well, well, at what point? You know, is 25 years? Well, yeah. If it's 25 years, I'm going to go ahead and live that life. Or it's like. Um, you're going to die in 10 years, but five years you would get to do whatever you wanted. But we know that on the last day of year 10, the kill switch happens. You're dead. You know, what would you choose? Would you choose to have five years of quality of life of doing whatever you chose you wanted to do and be free or live in the confines of 
of a cell, essentially. I would. I would. And have no freedoms. I, I would choose the freedoms because. Right. The the thing that is unsaid there is I could then choose to do every single one of those good things on I would your just, own on my own right. and have the freedom. But see, that's not what the government has done no. to us. No. The government has said you're too stupid you're too to do stupid. those things. And and see, that you our, agree with our, me, stupid. Our algorithms. Yeah. Well, we'll see. The government's evil. The government sees us as stupid and treats us as stupid in their in their evil way controls us and says you're too stupid to do the right things for yourself even though all, all this information exists yeah. and because of that we're going to tell you when where and how you will live and how you will not yeah and we can look at at that uh, societies like uh, australia is a good example of this canada canada we can Austria. see exactly what they've done yeah. and that is totalitarianism and mm-hmm. and we have experienced a level of totalitarianism on an individual level not mm-hmm. a systemic level no not yet i mean not, 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 yet. not yet. Not yet. But, but the last two years have been this control through yes. fear yeah. and propaganda. Yeah. Well, and they now know how far they can push us. And this is what uh, people have to understand and why there needs to be pushback. And why, you need, when they say, why do you argue about the mask? Well, because they need to know that they, there will always be a segment that will not do what they want. And then they are deciding, is that worth it? How big was that segment of society? How big was it? Well, Where were they? And here's the other thing is that when, when that control yes. tells you you have 10 years of life or five years of yeah. life, yeah. what I'm going to do with my time in that five years of life is I'm going to figure out how to blow up the control. Yeah. And, and Right? I'm going to be yeah. free yeah. and I'm going to find yeah. the evil behind the yeah. control that yeah. tells me you're dead in five years and, or you're dead and in that, 10. And that's why the truck convoys were so scary to them. That's why... Uh, Trudeau, Justin, I was going to say, say Pierre Elliott Trudeau, which is the father, but Justin Trudeau, <laughs> they're all the same. I, one, I, I thought one for a minute man. you were going to say Satan. No, no, no. <laughs> Trudeau. Satan Trudeau. No, Trudeau. But that's why he was so Can frightened. we call him Trudeau? Trudeau. Trudeau. Yeah. Just, just Trudeau. Yeah. Okay. Trudeau. Trudeau. But this is why they're so frightened uh, of the, uh, the, the convoys, people that don't wear masks. People that refuse to wear masks. I wonder if there's a, any direct descent from uh, Maria Antoinette into Trudeau's lineage. You know, it, it didn't didn't happen. It didn't end well for Miss Antoinette. No. You know, but but really, people like Trudeau are the ones, the catalysts, who create the French Revolution. Oh yeah, because because people will yeah. only put up with so much for so long. Yeah. And then the pendulum does and, swing. And they're so convinced that they're right. Well, I look mean, at the it, oligarchs right now in, in Russia. Oh, they're fleeing. Did they ever think no. that they would be in a position where yeah. their very lives, you know, if a Ukrainian got a hold of one of those guys, they yeah. wouldn't live through yeah. the night. And there's actually someone, there's a guy that used that was tracking Elon Musk's, did you read about this? He was <laughs> tracking Elon Musk's private airplane. Okay. And Elon, Elon Musk said, hey, please, buddy. It, it becomes a safety issue. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, I'll give you some money to stop. Stop publishing it. Really? Yeah, he did. He offered him like $5,000 or something. That sounds it's, like a racket. Well, <laughs> and what he's doing is he's tracking the uh, oligarchs, air, airplanes. Mm-hmm. And they're absolutely fleeing. We, like they're, where, they're we, we know where Ara- Alexi yeah. is. Yeah, they're in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> they're, they're all over. The other interesting thing would be to watch where their, their uh, uh, boats go. Their ships are. Their ships are. Their luxury. Did, I heard they whatever. just seized one in Germany or something. It was like uh, yeah, $500 they, million. Yeah, dollar. They never let them. They never <laughs> gave it. Yeah. Yeah. 
But you know what would be awesome if they turned that into a pleasure craft for orphans, <laughs> Ukrainian orphans. Yeah. That well. that this is this is yeah. the good ship, uh, uh, Ukraina, that now sails, uh, you know, yearly, yeah. uh, taking the orphans and the displaced on vacations, mm-hmm. and make the Russians pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I don't know. It's it's give just them an island, it, it, or how about just their country back. That would be great. Well, one of the problems is, is I saw a wonderful map, and it, you can look it up, and it shows you what, uh, what's called the Ukraine now is actually composed of two different ethnic groups that never really belong together. Right. And it's almost split. It's split southeast, northwest. Well, it's, it's, isn't and it like the, the Ukrainian the, Rus and then the, then the, the Russian Rus, the the they're like descended from the Viking. Yeah, Rus. something and and, and, and they, there's a schism there. That's yeah, because my mother, my grandmother, my mother was born in the Ukraine. Okay. And my grandparents spoke. They barely, very, did not speak English. I, I my so two, they spoke U- Russian or Ukrainian. No, they spoke Ukrainian. Okay. And uh, my other set of grandparents spoke Italian, so it was hilarious. Were they Jewish Nazis as well? No, they were not Jews. <laughs> no, no not, Jewish Nazis. No Jewish Nazis. Because no, that's no. that's what that's no. what Vladimir Putin yeah. is saying. The president. I know. I know. Of, it, it, the of Ukraine is is a Nazi. Is a Nazi. And he's he's the yeah. descendant of, yeah. of of Jews and, uh, that survived the and, Holocaust. And the the, pe- <laughs> the people that are fools that believe that I did not realize is a huge portion of the uh, northwestern Ukrainians are Jewish. Right. They're, they're, it's one of the and, one of the last stronghold places yeah. in Europe where Jews and they're live. actually very strongly the Russian Orthodox or mm-hmm. there's a Greek Orthodox or an Eastern Orthodox right, the, Church, right? A say an offshoot of uh, out Catholicism, of, out of the old uh, yeah. uh, Constantinople, yeah, yeah, and that's the other part of what they are. Whereas the the South East is uh, can be Muslim mm-hmm. and and that, but it, it it's interesting because they. Uh, they they really don't belong together in the same country, uh, so I, maybe they should split. I don't know if I'd give it to. I'd let them decide. Well, that apparently is the wrong attitude to have. <laughs> apparently, apparently from the George Bush and the Joe Bidens and all that, you know, the Bushes and Cheneys there's and all 40, that. There's, there's forty million people that live in Ukraine. Forty million. They said that this war has displaced already one million. Yeah. One million have already fled. Yeah. Uh, Katerina, uh, Katerina uh, Damaska, who you see this beautiful painting okay. behind me. Yeah. This was painted by our uh, Ukrainian exchange student three three years ago. Okay. You'll notice in the windows around the corner on the conference room, there's some color studies okay, yeah. of other paintings that yeah. she didn't get around to painting, but she had talked about doing while she was here. Uh-huh. Uh, we've been in contact with her mother. Okay, so you actual uh, yeah yeah real uh, time yeah, real time uh, yeah yeah through texting through texting yeah. But um, uh, Katerina has has escaped to Poland. So there is actually a war going on. There is actually a war going on. Uh, yes, regardless of what people right. say. Yeah, no, Katerina yes. f- fled. Uh, yeah. Her brother is safely in Germany. Okay, her other brother and her father had to remain behind to fight. Yes, and yeah. uh, they were under sixty. Yeah. And uh, Katerina's grandmother refused to leave. I love them. Refused to leave. Those old babushkas, you yeah, know. Yeah, I heard about the babushka <laughs> revolt. You heard about that? No, I can imagine the it, The babushka though. revolt was there was, a, there was an old woman that, that approached one of these, uh, these Russian soldiers uh-huh. and handed him some flower seeds and said, yeah. put these in, the pocket, in your pocket yeah. so that when you die, they'll sprout. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 
No. Can you imagine yeah. the courage yeah. of an elderly woman in yeah. the in the heart of winter? Well, because they're fighting for their country. They're they, fighting they, for they their actually, lives. They're a very nationalist country in the, the true terms of what a nation is. They truly understand that there is a purpose behind a nation. Well, I, I, noticed, and, I noticed on Netflix last night yeah. that there there's actually, it's, it's trending right now, um, that there's a documentary about the revolt. Uh, okay. 30 years ago. All right. When the they Maiden, separated. Maidan. Yeah, when they separated yeah. from from okay. the Rus- Russia. Uh, Russian, from the USSR. Yeah. Um, and uh, the documentary, I, I watched the preview for it last night. It looks fascinating. Yeah. But th- the the brutality. Yes. And the violence that happened in that revolt. Yes. It was not this uh, gradual sort of... Uh, we're going to stay part of the Commonwealth, but the crown, you know, lets us organize autonomously. Oh, no, no. Everything no, this was this no. was like, I'm bloodying your face yeah. and you're probably going to die, yeah. you know, if yeah. you don't submit to the boot that we have on your neck. Yeah, Russians, Russians are very, very different from all the reading I've done. They have no... They're probably the closest culture to what was the Vikings still around oh, in their was, brutality. What was the other one? Um, oh, the... Genghis Khan. Uh, yeah, yeah, Genghis yeah. Khan, you know, yeah. sort of remind me of that very brutal, you well, know, walk y- you're barefoot obviously, over the you're pass. Not, you're obviously not one of the enlightened people out there. It's not pronounced Genghis. Oh, it's It's Genghis. Hang- no. Yes, it's Genghis. I learned it as Genghis it's Khan. It's Genghis. Genghis Khan. Genghis. Yeah. Just yeah. like I have to say uh, after the show, just I'll, like I have to say ukulele. Yes, yeah, u- and, u- ukulele. And, and yama instead of llama. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. You know, then why are we saying Vienna rather than Wien? Wien. Wien. Yeah, well, and I've heard uh, uh, Ukraine called something else recently too, and I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> did Did you know Turkey? Well, no, it was Kiev. Kiev. I thought it was Kiev. Kiev. Now, yeah, now Kiev. all of the the highbrow, you know, television news reporters like, tonight bombs are dropping on Kiev. And it's like, wow, um, you're but, not from there. What, but it shows, you just, you the, it shows you the psychosis. This globalism. Uh, well, this like uh, we have to pretend that we're something that no, we're not. No, because pe- there are names that you angl- anglicize. Right. And you should. Uh, Paris is not. Oh, that's not cultural pa- misappropriation. Paris is not Paris. It's, it's Paris. 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 It, because S's are silent. Right. So if we're going to do it, let's do it. Let's mm-hmm. do it all the way or none. And this irritates the heck out of me <laughs> all those people in indiana that pronounce it washington there's washington, no r there's you know, no r you're, yeah. you're culturally um, you're misappropriating uh, my my birthplace but you <laughs> know we've, we've gotten into this so this i just ignore them because i'm not going to walk around saying yama when it's a llama i'm sorry <laughs> if i was in peru i might call it yama but it's Inter- interesting little factoid when i was mm. doing our genealogy oh, research no. yeah you have a yama floyd. there well well floyd right, right? <laughs> yeah Floyd is the the anglicized version, version of, of the original uh, Welsh, uh-huh. which was spelled. So in in Welsh, when you read the language, they they use double L's. Yeah, yeah. yeah double yeah, L's yeah. make the sound. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah. Okay. Kind of like a yeah. spitty static, yeah. right? <laughs> so so uh, the the Normans and the Saxons didn't have any way to say. <laughs> in their language, <laughs> so, so the cl- closest thing they could come to was the F sound, the hard, f, yeah, you know, sort of hissing sound. Yeah, and so uh, they changed the name, and uh, but originally the family name was spelled LL. L W W F G H Y B T. Yeah, I know. L L W Y D. I know. Try and it was pronounced it. 
Quid. Yeah, okay. Quid. Like us to walk around. This is like Sesame Street. We'll take the two sides of the word. All right, kitties, say. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yes, wipe your mouth (laughs) off and then say the the word squid, but just with the the last part. So, quid. Yeah. Quid. All right, now. Now we can all cheer. Yay. Because yeah. now we've said the word Floyd. I actually think the, ne- the <laughs> I, I actually think we should make uh, Welsh the international language. Oh, yeah. No, I really think we should. Yeah. We, okay. We, so explain. It, well, because then no one would want to use it. They would realize the <laughs> ridiculousness of it. Can you imagine trying to pilot your aircraft into an air? Because English is the international language for air traffic control. <laughs> Was that a hard F or more of a spitty uh, hiss? <laughs> I'm, I'm mistranslating your intention. Are you landing on runway B or are you going to hit the building at the left side of town? You know, for all the people that are criticizing <laughs> English, English is actually a pretty, it might be hard to learn, but it's very cut and dried. There's no, uh, I don't know the proper terms of it. Are you saying it's a it. dumb language? It's a, it's a simpler <laughs> stupid language. It's a simpler language to learn because it doesn't have hisses and clicks, right, right. which are really complicated to learn. Right. And and Welsh is one and of the hardest. And even harder to spell. And even <laughs> worse to spell. You know, and um, German I, I wish we used more umlauts in umlauts. our language. Uh, the tr- you know the trouble with German I is I love the umlaut. It sounds like they're yelling at you all the time. <laughs> It really does. You know, I did a video recently it where I had to really model does. two two miles of Seattle oh, in no. a 3D and make a video for for a gentleman. Good. <laughs> and uh, because I didn't want to do any copyright infringement, anything that had a sign in it, I had to make up. Oh no! You know, oh, so yeah. I had to okay. build a fuel station, uh-huh. and I and I and I uh, I created a new brand, and I, I named it One F U uh, Umlad E L. So it was. Fool. Fool. <laughs> yes, one fool. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like that that uh, Norwegian. Ule. Yeah. You, you know. That is a difficult uh, language. Now, my, my, and it was interesting because I was, did some reading and it said um, Ukrainian, and I remember this. I have vivid memories of this going to visit my grandmother. And my mother spoke Ukrainian, her brother spoke Ukrainian, her sister spoke Ukrainian, and my grandparents. So there'd be a room full of Ukrainian speakers. People not caring that you couldn't speak it. Well, not that we could speak <laughs> it, but I, I remember it was always sounded as though they were yelling at each other. Because it's spoken at a very high volume with lots of like, like, like. Just loud sounds here and there, and and see, I thought I was just arguing with Katerina when she was here. Maybe she was just, you know, no, communicating I, the way she did. No, at home. and I always <laughs> thought it was because everyone in my mother's side of the family hated each other, and they didn't. That's just the way Ukrainians communicate. Okay. They just they have Kinda a like lot of Klingons. Oh yeah, they very very <laughs> Klingon like. They must have modeled that more like. Word. Well, I mean, if you think about it, you take German, you take like. the Russian culture or the Ukrainian oh, yeah. culture, you yeah. mash it together mash with it some together. Mongolian, yeah. and uh, what do you, have? you have an interesting barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, people that want to hit each yeah. other all the time. Yeah, yeah, yell. So all right. Well, you know, we've we've waxed long today, uh, and there is a potluck about ready to start. We're having mm-hmm. a social event here, mm-hmm. uh, ironically, at the social club. Oh. That's what we do sometimes, and uh, we have a potluck of the Liberty Action AK group. And um, you will not hear this broadcast till it is long past. <laughs> but uh, you should uh, you should check out the Ammo Can Coffee Social Club. You should check out uh, what we're doing. Uh, here socially also this is a shout out Uh, i talked about this before the show with one of the customers that walked in but 
we have an excellent opportunity here. The Central Peninsula does not have an indoor shooting range, and I've long wanted to attach a shooting range to our shop. That's not possible in our lo current location, but I reached out to another indoor shooting range provider and uh, who I had a relationship with, and I said, I want to pick your brain on how we can bring this to the peninsula. Well, they told me, unfortunately, COVID has not been kind to them with the regulations in their blue city and that uh, they've had to close the shop. They spent over $600,000 to build the range, not including the cost of the land and the building, but just the air handling system and all the equipment. And they told me that they would sell it to me for pennies on the dollar. So we're going to fast forward, make a uh, long story short. We need to raise $15,000, which will help us secure the range because they have to remove it from the building in which that they're selling. And so in three weeks' time, we need to be able to uh, write a contract with them and sell or, or purchase all the equipment and put it in a shipping container, and then uh, we can move on to phase two for bringing this shooting range to the peninsula. The shooting range will become an amenity of club membership. So when you're a paid club member, you, you uh, pay for a yearly membership uh, at one of our three levels, either individual, family, or affiliates. Uh, that's a difference of 150 a year for individuals, 300 for a family, and I believe it's 600 for affiliate at the base levels. Um, then you get a whole basket of amenities, including uh, free use of our space without having to pay the rental fee, which is $100 an hour. Uh, you get discounts for ticketed events, and you can bring a limited number of guests in at those discounted rates. So instead of paying 50 bucks for a show, you know, you get 20, 40, or 60% off, depending on which tier you decide to be, uh, buy in at. And then also the gun range will be one of those amenities. We're working with uh, a local vendor who offers uh, gun safety training, who will likely take over management of that facility for us through a cooperative profit-sharing agreement. And, uh, and we're bringing more exciting things. We have plans for a two-lane bowling alley, <laughs> as well as an archery range and uh, multi-purpose space. And that was just phase one of our build-out. So check it out. We need your support. If you sign up in the next three weeks and you, uh, and you pay an annual membership, of course, you'll get all the benefits that come with that on our website, um, as well as help us capitalize this new project, which you will be at the front of the line to uh, participate in. So check it out. AmmoCanCoffee.ninja is our website. Uh, you'll see a pop-up with a doughboy from the First World War saying enlist now. Click on that pop-up. It'll take you to another page where you can then look at membership levels and pricing. Uh, pick the package that works best for you, and we'd love to see you in the social club here. Help us help you build a better community. And um, always you can uh, come in and tell us what a good job we're doing or not if we're not and uh if you'd like to come in uh, we may tell you to pound sand but you know <laughs> uh you can come in and express your opinion and uh, if you're not a member we'll ask you to promptly leave uh otherwise uh we'll invite you to be a member and if you'd like to be on the show we'd love to have you as a guest and learn what being a conservative looks like in your neighborhood and uh help spread the flame of knowledge onto other people uh, together we can stand against the darkness and um, together we can build a better community. So thank you. This is Jason Floyd signing off, and we will talk to you again, hopefully, this time again next week. Take care, everybody, and God bless.